some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation about meaningful and productive work. And I often draw on the meaning of work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as my own experience consulting, including the work I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a second, but let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show, we were on the air with Sean Anderson, by far and away my favorite and I think the only Extra Mile America, an Extra Mile World motivational author and speaker. We had an in-depth conversation about what it takes to live a great life, and we each shared our perspectives on the topic. It was hopelessly fun, and we each walked away a little bit more inspired to live the, the best lives as we each were informed by the other. So if you missed that show, go back and grab the podcast. By the way, if you want to receive alerts in advance of my live radio show conversations to know what's coming, you can join my mailing list by visiting my website at elisecortez.com, navigating to the blog tab, and then under my photo, entering your name and email address. Now, with us this week is Kimberly Davis, who is an expert on authentic leadership and shares her inspirational message of personal power, responsibility, and impact with organizations across the country. She also teaches leadership programs worldwide, including her own program called On Stage Leadership, which runs in New York City and Dallas. She's the author of the soon-to-be-released book called Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident, Authentic, and Powerful Self to Get the Results You Need. We'll be talking about her actual book, so you get kind of a sneak preview before it comes out in the beginning of next year. Kimberly joins us today from Austin, Texas. Kimberly Davis, welcome back to Working on Purpose. Elise Cortez, I am so excited to be on your show with your listeners again this year. I am too, darn it. So I'm going to just extract as much as I can out of you before we I let you go in the next hour. So on your mark, get set, go. You ready? Okay, I am ready. (laughs) Okay, since both of us work in the field of leadership and we do it from different vantage points, I think it's important that we kind of segment and start and anchor the show in that. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit broadly about leadership. So from your vantage point, why do you think it's important for any of us to develop the leader in us? Well, you know, I think it would, when you when you sent me this question and I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, um, wh- one of my favorite quotes ever is a Jim Rohn quote, and he talks about, uh, Jim, Jim Rohn talks about being a millionaire, right? And, and that's not really what I think is that important, but what he says is, become a millionaire because of what it will make of you. And I think that, that is true about leadership. I think become a leader because of what it will make of you. Because to be a great leader, it will require you to bring your most influential and your best self to the world. And I can't think of a, a better reason for all of us to nurture that part of ourselves. 
I love that start, Kimberly. That's gorgeous. And, you know, one of the things that I know from being a researcher around investing in how people experience meaning in their work is most people at some level, what they want to do at the end of the day is they want to matter, right? They want to make a difference. And the way you just position that is about making a difference. And I, I think that's a great way to start this conversation. Thank you. Well, it really is. It's all about making a difference and making an impact. Yeah. Okay. Well, along those lines, one of the things that I have always found amazing about you is you you have this phrase, this saying that as leaders, we're always on stage, we're, which is a vulnerable place to be, right? We're in that spotlight. People are looking at us. And you even named your leadership development company On Stage Leadership. So before we get into your book, because I got to imagine some of your book has come from your experience of leading that company. Why did you start your company and what do your participants get from participating? Well, so so you have to we have to back up a little bit because I uh, I got a lot of my insights from the actual stage. I did theater for like twenty years, right. and so what I noticed when I was in the theater is that uh, I people would you'd feel pretty vulnerable on the stage when people are scrutinizing you and people are watching you and you think people are judging you and you want to prove yourself, and so when when we are in our leadership role, we are also always on stage because people are always watching. They're always paying attention. They're always uh, paying attention to what you say and what you don't say and what you do and what you don't do. And every minute of every day, they're either choosing you as to be a leader or not. And so when I, when I started putting together my, my company, I drew from tools that we used in the theater because actors were in that vulnerable space and because they applied directly to leadership because leaders are always on stage. And even if they don't recognize the fact, they still are always in the spotlight. Well, and I certainly, one of the things that I want to call out and, and, and thank you again for, for your support over the years is I have been in my own leadership roles, community service, leadership, or various others. You were always there reminding me of that and helping and cheering me on and giving me tools and resources along the way. So you have been someone who has coached me from this, you know, from the backstage. So thank you for that. Well, my dear. I have been the one who's been, who's been lucky enough to cheer you on because you've been pretty extraordinary. <laughs> In, in your efforts. So, yeah, that, that's an easy thing to do, Elise. Well, thank you, my friend. And the fact that we now get to share this wisdom with everybody else who reads your book, I'm thrilled about that. And and, and to that end, as we talk about leadership, you know, the other end of leadership, and I had somebody on my, my show earlier who was talking about the actual follower piece of this whole equation. Yeah. But you say in your book that a leader is somebody who people want to follow, not have to follow. Will you say more about that? Yeah, so... So some of this, some of what defines leadership today or what I feel defines leadership today is the environment that we're in. And so what is needed from a leader today is so different than it was 10, 15 years ago because it's a a different world than it was 10 to 15 years ago. 10 Mm -hmm. to 15 years ago, there was something called security in the workforce, right? You know, you could... (laughs) You could get a job out of college and you would stay at the same job for your entire career and, and retire with your gold watch and your pension and all would be great. But, you know, there is no such thing as security in the workforce anymore. And now in the workplace uh, is moving faster than ever. There's more uncertainty than, than there's ever been before. It's volatile. Uh, it, things are very ambiguous. There's actually... It, 
the HR world has a acronym that they like to use, which I, I think is is pretty great. It's they call it the VUCA environment for um, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So it's this VUCA environment that has really shifted what we need from from leaders. Because in the past, a leader could pretty much just yes, just use command and control. They could say, you know, do this or heads are going to roll. But nowadays, if you were to try that in the workforce, and, you know, I'd be foolish to say that it isn't happening in the workforce today, but it doesn't work successfully. Nowadays, if you try command and control when people don't feel safe, what are they going to do? They're going to stop participating. They're going to stop putting themselves out there. They're not going to call out when they see a problem. They're not going to bring their best because they're going to do everything they can to just stay off the radar so they can stay stay, stay mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Right, um, right, right. So, yeah, so, um, and if you apply command and control to all of the different emotions that are playing out in the workforce, it just doesn't give you the results that you need. So when you counter that to what will give you the results that you need, um, you really need to harness the emotional energy in a positive way in the workforce. And I think of that as choice. People need to, people choose to follow you, not, not have to follow you. You don't get a paycheck exchange. You get, you get their, their want, their heart. They're going to give you the best that they have to give. Um, if you don't have access to their want, all you're going to get is a warm body there to collect a paycheck, put in their hours. Okay, this is so good, Kimberly. I w- if you don't mind, I want to represence what you said before. I've never heard that acronym, by the way. And I think it's really, really important that our listeners really get this because it's so important yeah. to be able to really give a context for the way we experience and how we do our work today, especially mm-hmm. if you contrast that to, say, 15, 20 years ago. And keep in mind that this show is listened to across the globe. So there are various countries and various developments that hear this show and many of them are you know may still be in that command and control and moving away from it so this is fascinating That's a great point. right so That's tell us again point. about that well and that it shows acronym. you what's what's the evolution where is it where are things going to go or might go depending yeah. on the culture yeah yeah so the acronym again is what did you say it's the vuca v-u-c-a v-u-c-a okay and again that stands for volatile uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Okay. This is so important to be able to, to situate why the, why a new way of leading is so important. Um, okay. So before we get into really, you know, what you mean by brave, I, I guess what I want to get into next is um, you talk about the importance of unlocking the wanton followers. And I heard you talk about, you know, that whole being able to harness the the positive emotional energy from the workplace. Yeah. Um, as opposed to coming from a, a place of fear and an uncertainty. And, you know, I, I appreciate the way you position that, Kimberly, because you're right. When we go into a place of fear, we generally kind of cower into the corner, usually, right? That's how, right, how many of us will respond when we're yeah, afraid. exactly. Hey, Elise, have I ever shared with you, there's a, this great metaphor uh, that Dan and Chip Heath use in their book, Switch. No, I've not heard it. Hit us. His heart. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic metaphor. And so in, in their book, Switch, they compare our emotions to that of a three-ton elephant, right? And they compare our logic to the little guy who's perched on top of the elephant, you know, the elephant rider. <laughs> now, yeah. when the elephant and the elephant rider want to go in the same direction, everything is cool, right? 
All right. Yeah. So got it. what got the, happens got the, got when the, the elven wants to go in a different direction than the rider? Who's going to win? Uh, I think the elephant's going to win. The elephant every time, right? Exactly. Elephant every time. And but the, the funny thing <laughs> is, is in, in our in our workplace, we say you know leave your emotions at the door. Uh, there's no room for emotions here. But the truth is, is if you're not paying attention to the work, the emotion in the workforce, it's like the elephant. It's going to run right over you. It's going to make a big mess. It's the big problem if you don't deal with it. And so we, and I'm not suggesting that it's all about the elephant. We've got to find a healthy alignment between our emotions and our logic. You've got to have a very healthy respect for the fact that this is what's showing up in our workforce. That when, when people are in a meeting and they're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and frightened and worried about their jobs. And this is, and, and how does that manifest? Oh my gosh. So Kimberly, just really quick, just to, just to kind of bring this home for people. So when we're working with organizations at, at Insignium, of course, we're really, we're very present to the importance and the profundity of emotions in the workplace, right? They're certainly mm-hmm. not to be ignored. They're to be understood and, and, mm-hmm. and presenced in a way that it will be effective and efficient and, and yield the results that you want. But first, we got we to gotta be aware of what they actually are. So they're oftentimes hanging around there in the background and you know, we don't really know about that. The trick is to be able to really bring them into the foreground so we can actually give a name to them, call them, yeah. recognize them for what they are, right? And then to be able to address them, whether they're showing up negatively or positively for us. So I just think I, I really want to applaud what you're saying about this emotional piece in the workplace. And I remember the days when people used to say, it's not it's not personal, it's just business. Get past it. Uh, yeah. Remember yeah. that? Well, and truly, how can you... How can you connect to the want of others if you don't know what they're, what's going on with them emotionally? Exactly. You really can't. Well, and especially as leaders, right? Because you talked about catalyzing results through positive emotions. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, then along those lines, speaking of emotions, I mean, you've written a whole book about brave leadership. So mm-hmm. what do you mean by brave? Well, okay. So let me, let me first say what the dictionary means by brave because it's okay. <laughs> totally different from what I think of brave as, right? I, you, and I you wonder, it. Elise, why you think of, you go into a situation where you need to put yourself out there, where you need to do something scary, you need to give a presentation or, or have a really tough conversation with someone, why you feel that kind of, I want to throw up feeling, you know, I, I need yeah. to be brave here, I need to be brave here, but, but, but it doesn't feel like a good thing. Right? Your experience of I need to be brave doesn't feel positive. It feels really icky in your stomach, right? And so I was like, why is that? And so I actually looked it up in the dictionary, and they, they define brave as ready to face fear and endure danger or pain. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Really, who gets excited about that? I want to get up in the morning and face me some danger and pain. I can't (laughs) wait for that. Right? Sign me up. It's it's a way of looking at it that is going to completely disempower you. Right? So I knew that if that's how I looked at being brave, that it would stop me in my tracks because I, I don't want to face and endure danger or pain any more than anybody else does. Right? So I knew I needed to reframe it for myself. And so the way I define brave is uh, your best, most authentic and powerful self. And it's a lot more complex than it sounds, you know, right at first, because when, when I think about 
when I think about my best self, right? My best self is not someone who's disrespectful or unkind. My best self is not someone who's blaming others or showing contempt. Um, my best self is uh, more patient, more curious, uh, caring, positive, constructive, probably articulate, definitely more hopeful than, than otherwise, right? If, if brave is anchored in your best self, it forces you to take responsibility for yourself. What I so appreciate so, about what you're saying. So go ahead, Kimberly. Something else? Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to put that into the context, I literally just before getting on the air with you, finished a coaching call with one of a, one of our clients, and she's really also she's um, she is an executive leader, and she wants to continue developing her persona, her message, and she's she really understands the importance of being able to develop, you know, that inspirational, motivational aspect of who she is as a leader to be able to bring people along and make them want to come with her on the journey. And so when I hear you talk about this whole notion of brave leadership, what I hear is like a reaching through to be able to grab people, to grab them along the journey with you. you. That's what I hear when you talk. Because connecting to their want is a byproduct, right? If Mm -hmm. I can bring my brave self, my best, most authentic and powerful self, the byproduct of that is they want to follow. The byproduct of that is they, they, they want to engage. They want to give their best. They want to be a part of whatever it is I'm doing. They want to listen, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a byproduct. You, know, you, can go, you go after, I want people to listen to me, and you're not going to show up in a way that they actually want to listen to you, right? right? But if you show up as your best, most authentic and powerful self, the byproduct is that they will want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And isn't it amazing? And here's what's really great about that, and perfect time because we're just about to go for a break here. But what's great about that, Kimberly, is that when you when I think about like the best times when I've ever been in front of a group and I wanted them to come with me, I know they're with me by how they're looking at me, right? There's an energy right. exchange that happens, right? And and I think that's what you're describing. And then you mentioned, you know, the byproduct piece of that, then you know you've already you've hit it. But that connection of the eyeballs and the heartbeat that goes with it, I think is what you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. It's the, it, the, the heartbeat. When you said the heartbeat, it's, it's all emotion. It's all elephant. Want lives in the heart. I mean, you can, you can logic your way out of it, but if you don't want it, you can't fake it. Right? No one can fake want. I love that. And what a perfect way to take us into the break. So hopefully we'll get folks still wanting more. I'm Elise Cortez, <laughs> your host. We've on the air with Kimberly Davis, who is the founder of Onstage Leadership, who also gave a TEDx talk called What It Means to Be Brave. She's the author of Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident, Authentic, and Powerful Self to Get the Results You Need, which is endorsed by Dan Pink. We've been talking a bit about what it means to be brave and how that, why this is important in today's workplace. After the break, we're going to get into what, to, what gets in the way of being brave. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Are you tired of strained relationships that don't work? We all have at least one, a family member, friend, or coworker we struggle to understand and deal with. Now you can improve those relationships fast with simple tools and skills. Tune into Relationship Radio with Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles. You'll learn how to have a better marriage, improve communication with your kids, and reduce stress at work. Listen live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Kimberly Davis, who is an expert on authentic leadership and shares her inspirational message of personal power, responsibility, and impact with organizations across the country. She also teaches leadership programs worldwide, including her program called On Stage Leadership, which runs in New York City and Dallas. She's the author of the soon-to-be-released book called Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident, Authentic, and Powerful Self to Get the Results You Need. She joins us today from Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So as we continue this conversation, Ms. Kimberly, I think it probably is not a bad idea for us to talk about authenticity. And for those listeners that maybe think they know what that means, I want to get them on the same page as what we, what, which, what you want it to be. What do you mean by yeah, authenticity? Yeah. Well, if I'm defining brave as your best, most authentic and powerful self, I guess we probably should talk about what it means to be authentic. Because uh, authenticity is one of those words that gets bandied about so much that it, we lose what does that mean, right? I mean, if you, anybody who's been on Facebook on any day of the week could look at, can find a post that says, be authentic, be yourself, doesn't matter what anybody thinks. And uh, that's all great and good, except for in the framework of leadership and influence, it, it doesn't work. So I actually uh, steal my definition of authenticity from a guy named Bill George. Um, and Mr. George used to be the CEO for Medtronic, and now he's on the Harvard, uh, works for the Harvard Business School for the School of Management. And he wrote a book called Authentic Leadership, so he gets to be the guru of authentic leadership. He also wrote uh, True North, which is his most recent book, and it's got a lot of acclaim. Um, but Mr. George's uh, definition of authenticity is are you genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? Mm. And what makes that so complex 
is that you don't get to decide. You don't get to decide if you're genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief. The people around you get to decide. Do they experience you as genuine? Do, they, do your listeners experience you as worthy of belief? Does your boss experience you as believable, as genuine? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't get to decide that. Other people get to decide. And that, that makes it really, really complex because what your boss is going to need from you to experience you as worthy of trust is going to be very different than something your colleague might need from you or what your so client true. is going to need from you. Yeah, and so it doesn't mean, now let me be very clear about this, it doesn't mean you become this chameleon kind of person and I'll be whatever you want me to be and whatever you want me to be. No, what it means is that you have to have a healthy respect for the fact that every human being you come in contact with is going to have a different set of needs. And so Mm -hmm. for them to experience you as genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief, you have to be able to connect to those needs. And what I'm getting from that, Ms. Kimberly, you tell me if I've got this right, based because you're the one that knows this better and you've been up to your eyeballs really studying this and thinking about how to talk about it. It seems to me that since you're trying to appeal across to all that different, that those sets of needs, what you're really probably doing, if you're really acting from a place of authenticity, is you're activating the parts of yourself that speak to those things, if you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, for example, Elise, um, I tend to be a pretty gregarious, person. I'm, you know, pretty bubbly and, and, and vivacious, some people might describe me. But when I go to speak to, let's say, I'm going to speak to a group of bankers, I've really kind of got to dial myself back a little bit. And that doesn't mean I'm changing who I am, but that means if I go in there and, hey, how you doing? Uh, they're not going to be able to hear me. Mm-hmm. And if my job is to connect to their want so they can learn what I have to to share and and benefit from the tools I have to offer, then I I cannot um, cannot lose sight of the fact that what they need from me is to show up in a way that is is not going to be so foreign for them. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got to meet them someplace. And then then as we develop our relationship, I get more latitude to to let myself cut myself loose a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let your hair down, if you will. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But I've already established trust and rapport then. They've already experienced me as genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief. Mm Mm-hmm. But I haven't I, I have to go in very mindful, what do these people need from me? What does this person need from me? What does this person need for me to experience me as genuine more these trust, reliance, and belief. And what that requires is that at every minute, you're always having to pay attention to the impact that you're having on other people. It's, mm-hmm. it's empathy in action. Yeah. Being very present to that is really a true talent, a, a true skill to be able to be really present to that in the moment, right? It, it can be so hard to do, too, Elise. It, 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 it is something that it takes constant mindfulness. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'll, I'll miss it and, and I, I won't realize that I've missed it, but I, my focus of attention has to be so clear that I want to connect to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally got that. And of course we all miss that sometimes, but the, to the extent that we can be as, as, as mindful and conscious as we can going into these situations, right, the better serve that we are. Right. 
Right, absolutely. And what's so great about that definition is I think it helps with everything. It becomes a filter for preparation. So how do you prepare for a one-on-one with your boss so he will experience you as, or she will experience you as genuine, whether you trust, reliance, and belief? Mm -hmm. How do you prepare for a shareholder meeting so they experience you as genuine, whether you trust, reliance, and belief? How do you dress so they experience you as worthy of trust? What kind of language do you use when, you, when you're in that situation? It becomes a filter for everything. And I like it so much better than categorizing. The, the situational leadership forces you, am I going to put my visionary hat on? Am I going to put my coaching hat on? This requires you, it requires you to exercise all of those parts of yourself based on what other people need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so get that, and that is so powerful to presence that, Kimberly, before we actually get into Brave. So uh, I, I love that. So anything else on authenticity before we actually dive into the barriers to Brave? No, I think, I think that we've, uh, I think that we've given, uh, given them enough to be dangerous. Okay, good. That's what we want. We want our listeners to be dangerous with this stuff. This is good. Go forth and be dangerous with this stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, good. well, I thought it was really important. You know, you and I were chatting on the break just to make sure that we could really position the authenticity piece of this because it's part of what you have in your in your definition of brave. So, you know, you you there's a, there's a whole section about, you know, barriers to brave in your book. And I want to be able to presence this for our listeners about what's the kind of stuff that gets in the way of us being brave. So let's talk a bit about that, that section there. What gets in the way, Kimberly? Yeah, I think, so the, the biggest thing that gets in the way is how we see the world, our focus of attention, how we see ourselves and how we see the world. What are we paying attention to? Okay. So, um, how you see yourself, so our focus will trigger our feelings, which will trigger our behaviors. So if you're focused on being afraid, if you're focused on what people might think, you focus on people, you might make a mistake or you might look stupid, right? The feelings that are going to come up for you are going to be a lot of anxiety. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to um, feel a lot of fear. Um, what's going to happen then is your, uh, the amygdala in your brain, the, the, the part of your brain in the frontal cortex that, that is in charge for all emotion management is going to send all of this cortisol, the stress hormone, right through your body. And so you're going to start experiencing your stomach's going to clench and your hands might sweat and your muscles might tense up and your breath might, your breathing might get short, right? So you'll have a physiological reaction to it as well. And, when, when you have this physiological reaction, then, then, then that will inform how you show up in the world, right? And it will inform the actions that you take. So when we feel these things physiologically, we'll start to do things to protect ourselves or, or uh, we'll, we'll go into the fight or flight mode or we'll, we'll want to push so we try to overcome those feelings, but it will affect the way we behave in the world. So our focus triggers our behaviors, which triggers our focus triggers our feelings, which triggers our behaviors. Which triggers our results. Yeah, that's exactly right. Gotcha. Keep going. So, um, as you know, Elise, I moved from Seattle to Dallas. Gosh, I want to say it was about uh, a little over ten years ago. So um, I moved from Seattle to Dallas ten years ago. Seattle, Dallas, very, very different cities, as you know, because you've lived in both cities, right? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Same trick. So when I first moved to Dallas, nothing personal, my friends in Dallas, but I hated Dallas. I hated <laughs> Dallas for like two solid years because I had, I decided very, very early on that I don't belong in Dallas. 
right? So I would, I would go to the grocery store. Now, Seattle is like this really casual culture. You could wear fleece to a five-star restaurant, right? You go to yep. the grocery store in Dallas, people are wearing, you know, three-inch heels, four-inch heels, and bling to the grocery store. Right. right. I thought, whoa, what's with that? And in, in Dallas, uh, people talk to each other in, the, in line at Starbucks. In Seattle, we all kept very much to ourselves, right? And, and Dallas was flat, and Seattle had mountains, and everything I saw, I would compare and contrast and compare and contrast. You know, Dallas was this, Seattle was that, and I reconfirmed, I don't belong in Dallas, right? And telling myself I don't belong in Dallas, everything I saw, every situation I found myself in, in reconfirmed that, because that's where my focus of attention was, that I was looking for reasons to prove myself right that I don't belong in Dallas. Well, like two years into living in Dallas, and I have no recollection of what, what happened, but there was some kind of triggering event in my life. Two years later, that all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, I love Dallas. Dallas is the best place on the planet. And I would, it, was, it was hilarious. I would go for these long walks on Swiss Avenue and look at the live oak trees and think, these are the most gorgeous trees ever. And I would look at the sunshine and sunshine every day. This is a miracle. And everybody is so kind and warm and friendly. I just, I just love the people of Dallas. And I remember so distinctly flying into Dallas after doing a business trip and I landed in the airport, and everyone looked so dressed up and so nice. And I thought, the people in Dallas take such good care of themselves. Why can't everyone do this? <laughs> but, I mean, it's hilarious, Elise, because the thing is, Dallas never changed. Got it. Right? Dallas was always Dallas. The only thing that changed was the way I looked at it. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I when the way I looked at it changed, the way I showed up in the situation changed. So then I met all of these wonderful people. I started engaging in the world because who's going to engage if you believe that you don't belong there? That's it. Right. Right. That was a beautiful so, illustration, Kimberly. You yeah. really, really situated that so that I think people can understand that it's all about how we see things. It's all about how we see things. Now, then you map that to personal power, right? If you believe something about yourself. Now, our beliefs about ourselves come from so many different things. They come from our experiences and our histories. Um, our, our brains start making meaning of what people say to us. Half the time, it's not making the right meaning. You know, we're inferring things from, from comments. Uh, we're making decisions about ourselves, Right. Um, like when I was a little girl, I had, I had um, very early on, and I won't go into the whole story about it, but very early on, I had decided that I, I wasn't athletic. Was and, not. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm just not athletic. And Got it. so uh, when it came to you know elementary school, I all the other kids would be playing kickball on the on the playground, and I'd kind of hang in the back because, of course, I wasn't athletic, right? And then when I went off to college and then we had to take dance classes for my, my theater degree, I'd be the one in the back trying to not be noticed because, you know, I, I, I wasn't athletic and I didn't want people to know I'm not athletic, right? And I just never got involved in anything that, was, that would require anything, any, any athleticism at all because I, of course, wasn't athletic. And then uh, about, gosh, when I was, it wasn't until I was 37 years old when I, when I went to this 
this, I heard the speaker talk about the three-day breast cancer walk. And I got so inspired by what they were doing that I, I registered to do this three-day walk. And when you, when you do a three-day, 60-mile walk, you have to train, and you have to train really hard for this. And you know this because you do long-distance running and these amazing events. Um, but you have to train. And I'd never trained for anything in my life, right? And as I'm on, you know, day two of this, this 60-mile walk, and I've, you know, I've walked 19 miles that day, and then we're, they've got these huge hills and the heat, and, and, and I was walking with like 2,500 women, many of them who had been through chemo or cancer survivors. Some of them had, you know, had just, had just quit chemo. Um, none of them complaining, you know, and it pushed me to a level that I'd never pushed myself before. And when I crossed that finish line after walking 60 miles, for the first time in my life, I thought, well, maybe I'm athletic after all. <laughs> or not. I might not be athletic, but it was no longer my truth, right? Mm-hmm. Because we can, we can have such mean it. voices, Live can't into we? what you decide about yourself, right? Uh-huh. This is what's possible for me. This is who I am. And when you think about how that affects the way you show up in the world, mm-hmm. it changes everything. Yes, it does. I know that very well because of the work that we do at Insignium because it's so much about, you know, the mindset that we show up, we allow ourselves to show up with and being present and cognizant to what is that, right? Because half the battle is being aware of what is that that we're telling ourselves, Absolutely, absolutely. So these are the things I find to be the biggest barriers to brave. It's the way we look at, the way we focus our attention. If we're focusing our attention on these these decisions we've made about ourselves and these decisions we've made about other people and the world and how we fit in, then we're going to live into that. And it's going to affect the way we interact with other people. It's going to affect what's possible for us because we won't put ourselves out there in a way that, that is going to be anything different than what we've decided. Kimberly, that is a perfect way for us to let our listeners sit and germinate while we go on a break here, because what I want them to get is I want them to get really clear about being able to have access. I want them to see that you've given them access to something for themselves. So hold the thoughts. Listeners, take a little bit of time to think about that while we go on break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Kimberly Davis, who is the founder of Onstage Leadership, who also gave a TEDx talk called What It Means to Be Brave. She is the author of Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident, Authentic, and Powerful Self to Get the Results You Need, which is endorsed by Dan Pink. After the break, we're going to get more into how we can actually get to being more brave, developing our brave. Stay with us. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The human body has different levels of interaction and communications, both at an energetic and informational level. Understand the healing potential and the intelligence hidden within these communications when you tune in to Human Potential and Life Force with Dr. Sun. Are health conditions preventing you from achieving effective potential? Can Life Force, also known as Qi, help your quality of life, relationships, and creativity? Find the answers every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Kimberly Davis, who is an expert on authentic leadership and shares her inspirational message of personal power, responsibility, and impact with organizations across the country. She also teaches leadership programs worldwide, including her program called On Stage Leadership, which runs in New York City and Dallas. She is the author of the soon-to-be-released book called Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident, Authentic, and Powerful Self to Get the Results You Need. And by the way, that comes out on January 16th, 2018. You can pre-order it on Amazon.com now. And Miss Kimberly joins us today from Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Okay, so Kimberly, in the beginning, yes. we talked about, yes, she says, what? What do you want me to talk about? I'm very um, excited. So, <laughs> well, I, I am too. I said, this is just really good stuff. So we talked in the beginning about, you know, why is leadership important? What's, what does brave mean? We talked about what gets in the way of brave. For this last segment, I want, I want us to get to, so how do we get to brave? What do we do? Yeah. Well, okay, so let me back up just a second, Elise. You know how when I talked about, uh, I did theater for years, right? Yep. yep. And what I, what I learned in the theater is that when an actor can get really crystal clear on this is, this is what drives me, this is, this is what I stand for, and then they can focus all of their attention instead of on the audience, instead of trying to prove themselves, instead of trying to get a good review, instead of what people think about them. If they can take their minds off of that and instead focus all of their attention on having some kind of impact on someone or something on the stage with them, what it does is it automatically refocuses their brain. So it overrides their amygdala, that part in your, that part mm-hmm. in your brain that's, that's designed to keep you safe, 
right? Our, our amygdala is the center for emotion management, and it is, its job is to make sure we survive. So anytime it senses risk, it's going to send those, those physical sensations through your body, which is going to have you do weird things and show up different, show up strangely in life and protect yourself and not be as powerful as you could be. But what happens is if you can focus your attention on action to achieve impact, it will mm. override your amygdala. So you don't experience any of those same sensations, that same sense, that vulnerability that you feel. You don't experience that. You're, you're completely focused on taking action to achieve purpose. It's connected to who you are internally. So a focus on action to have an impact is what allows us to be brave. A focus on action out to take to impact someone or something outside ourselves. Mm-hmm. Kimberly, you know what you're reminding me of? Can I just say this? And you tell me if I've got the right application to what you just said there. So I, mm-hmm. ha- I, I have the, the wonderful ability to get to go out and speak to various audiences. And I love to speak to women, especially about leadership and really being their true best selves and working on purpose and through their passions. I love doing that. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are occasions when I get up in the morning to go give one of those speeches and I don't feel fantastic. I don't feel brave. I don't feel like I'm, you know, all that. And I want to yeah. be able to deliver a message like that. So I got to get myself there, right? So I can deliver something that will be useful to these women. And so what I tend to do when I prepare for that and I get myself, I work on that place of intention is I get myself into the place of doesn't matter where I'm at, how I feel. What do I want to give these women today? What can I do that will actually... Perfect. Okay. 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 Yes. Because what you're doing is you're harnessing your attention, Mm -hmm. which helps you override your amygdala. Right. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. when you're in, in space with them, you can show up more powerfully because your, your focus of attention is completely on what am I giving to them? It's active. Mm-hmm. And it's connected mm-hmm. to who you are internally, inherently. Okay, so this, what I think, because I have obviously read some of your book, and I think what this is connecting to is is you've got a a chapter in there called Action from the Inside Out. Is this Mm -hmm. part of what you're drawing from? Yeah, absolutely. So so, uh, one of the ways we get to what drives us, and what I, the language I use around that is your super objective. What's the impact you want to have? What's your super objective? Okay. Super Um, objective, yep. I remember that. Your super objective, yeah. Uh, one of the ways we get to the super objective is first to, to kind of unearth what are your beliefs and values and strengths and all of that, because your super objective encompasses all of those things, right? And I don't know if you remember, at least a few years ago, there was a lot of talk out there about leadership philosophy. You know, people mm-hmm. were talking about what's your leadership philosophy. Mm. Um, and leadership philosophy is largely your, your beliefs. It's it's. it's and so an example of leadership philosophy would be, I believe in respect and dignity for all people, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a lovely thing to believe, yeah? But you can believe that and believe that and believe that and believe that, but it's not going to change anything, right? Whereas a super objective lives in action. You can't achieve a super objective from the sidelines. So if you were going to translate that into super objective language... You might say, I champion respecting dignity for all people, right? Because Mm. you cannot champion from the sidelines. To to champion is going to require you to take action. To champion is going to require you to to 
stand up for someone you believe is being treated disrespectfully, right? If you, if you, to champion respect and dignity is going to force you to uh, find something to respect about people you may not like very much, which can mm-hmm. be really hard to do, right? <laughs> right? To champion respect and dignity for all people is going to require you to create conversation and stir things up, and it's, it's going to require action. And the action it's going to require is not always going to be easy action. It's going to hold your feet to the fire because if you are truly a champion for respect and dignity for all people, you have to, you have to say, well, what, what action can I take in this situation to do that? What can, what, what can I do in this conversation to champion respect and dignity? What can I do on this call to champion respect and dignity? What can I do, I don't know, in this meeting to champion respect and dignity? for all people. Because if that's who you truly are, then it should show up in every situation you face. And then when you don't do that, because guess what? You're human. <laughs> you're going to you're going to miss the mark more times than you're going to hit it probably. Then if you've got that clarity of thought, that clarity of focus, what do I stand for? I stand for uh, championing respect and dignity for all people, right? Did I do it in this in this conversation? Yes or no? No. Okay. What action can I take to get myself closer? So I show mm-hmm. up as the person that I know I truly am and want to be. How do I clean it up? It's just so yummy. It is so yummy. Now, along those lines, we're getting close to the finish here. If you don't mind, what I'd love to do, because I know there's listeners who are listening to this and they're, they're getting the concepts and they're, they're, I know they're getting inspired by it, but I also want to be able to give those listeners who want to walk away with like a list or something like, you know, how can I put this to work tomorrow? Um, mm-hmm. You have a chapter in your book that gets to six steps to prepare for impact. Some of those things you've already talked about. You've already mentioned some of them. But for the benefit of listeners who want to walk away with, do these things, it'll make a difference. Would you just yes. quickly describe those six steps? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing you always, always want to do is to focus your attention. So you want to get clear on uh, what, what do the people need from you to experience you as genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief. Right, um, based on their needs, not your agenda. Right, what do they need from you? And then, and then, inherent in that is you also part part of focusing your attention is getting clear what's the impact you want to have. Yep. So, what do they need from you to experience you as genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? What's the impact you want to have? If you can focus your attention on that and make sure your actions are in alignment with that, the byproduct is you will connect to their want. Hmm. Okay. Right. They'll want to participate. They'll want to listen. They'll want to follow. They'll want to be a part of what you're doing. The next thing you need to make sure you're doing is you want to prepare authentically for that experience, right? So what do they need from you to experience you as genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? How do you prepare for that? Um, you want to make sure that that if you're meeting with your boss, you've prepared in a way that she will experience you as worthy of trust. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yep. You know, what information, what data, what stories, what, 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 uh, what, what kind of preparation do you need to do for that situation? So using that definition of authenticity to help you prepare. And the next thing you want to do is you really want to come in as your best self. So you want to make sure you breathe and remove all tension. So here's a really interesting thing, Elise, you know, um, 
It's uh, when, when we when we get nervous or anxious or overwhelmed or stressed, our, our breathing gets naturally more and more shallow. So we start uh, cutting off our breath. And what's really interesting about that is that our brains need oxygen to function. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so people think, oh, yeah, you don't need to talk to me about breathing. I've got the breathing thing down. Yet at the same time, when we're stressed, when we're overwhelmed, when we're anxious, we, we naturally do that as a survival mechanism, okay? Um, so the very first thing you want to do truly in any situation you face, especially if the stakes are high, is to just ground yourself and breathe, okay? And then the next thing you want to do is to remove all tension because tension blocks authentic expression. You can't go into a situation if you're carrying a lot of tension. And we all carry tension in different places in our body. So some of us carry tension in our shoulders, some of us in our hands, some of us in our neck, um, some of us in our jaws. It's really important that you can name where do I personally carry my tension so you can release that tension before you go in. You can roll your shoulders back. So you take a deep breath. You ground yourself. You roll your shoulders until you release the tension. So you can go in and, and be physically, physically where you need to be in order to connect to the want of others. And then you need to go in, and, and we talked about this earlier, and be absolutely present. When, when I say present, I mean I, you need to be so present that the stakes are your your that the stakes are like your life is on the line. You want to connect as if your life is on the line, because what happens is we go in and we have our own agenda and we're not paying attention to what other people need, what's going on with the other person, have they heard what we've had to say, and um, we cannot connect to the want of others if we don't if we if we if 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 we're not with them. We, we, they, it's, it's impossible. Um, so we, I, I find it really interesting when I teach executive presence. Uh, <laughs> the very first thing I say is that um, presence requires you to be present. And it's even <laughs> in the definition of presence. So people think presence is all about charisma. Presence is actually all about being uh, absolutely mentally in the here and now with the people you're with. And that is one of the hardest things to do in the workplace today because there's so much going on because of the VUCA environment, right? Yeah. And then you're so present that you're, you're able to pay attention to impact. So step number five is pay attention to impact. You all, if, if you go in and you say, well, what is the impact I want to have? I want to champion respect and dignity for all people. Well, did I have that impact? Yes or no. Got it. Yeah. Because if you're not paying attention to impact, you won't be able to course correct. Kimberly, we're almost out of time. I want to make sure we can actually announce where to find this. So the last one okay. I know is create rituals. The last rituals one is create I... rituals. Just make yeah. sure you're putting things in place to keep you mindful of the things you need to do to bring your best, most authentic and powerful self to the, di- to the table. And that's a perfect way, actually, right there for us to finish. I want to just let you be able to to take that breath and take your bow and let me thank you for being on the show and sharing your passion, your wisdom, what you can teach the listeners across the globe about brave leadership. Kimberly Davis, thank you for joining me today on Working on Purpose. Thank you, Elise. This was a great fun. It was great fun. 
Always great fun. Okay, so listeners, remember I mentioned this earlier. If you want to get a copy of um, her her book, Brave Leadership, it comes out January 16th, but you can pre-order it today on Amazon.com. And if you want to learn more about Kimberly Davis and her leadership courses or her soon-to-be-released book, visit her website. It's onstageleadership.com. Now, next week, we will be on the air with the founder and fireball of a COLA project. Her name is Brittany Merrill Underwood. We'll be talking about the work she and her team are doing to empower women across the globe to transform families by addressing poverty through her nonprofit organization based here in Dallas. She was alerted to me by one of my students at Southern Methodist University when I talked about purpose and passion in the classroom as I kicked it off. One of the students put her hand up in the back. She said, oh, I've got someone you've got to talk with. So that is who I'll be sharing with you on the show next week. So join us then. Remember that work is one third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.